The Talk Too Much Podcast episode 39 is back in your life. And this week, did I have a special, do I have a special episode planned for you guys? NFT community. I'm sure you're all familiar with the name Coldy. That's who my special guest this week was, uh, Mr. Coldy, one of the most renowned artists in the NFT community. Uh, he is a 3D generative artist. Uh, he combines multiple elements of multiple photos and he creates a 3D version that is unlike anything you've ever seen before. All the links to his work will be in the bio. But what was very special about this interview for me was this. To have a two hour long discussion, this was my longest interview, with one of the biggest names in the NFT community, a proven name, someone that's done what I want to do, uh, was I was beyond grateful for that experience. You know, Mr. Coldy uh, could have easily, you know, not have done the show. But the fact that he did the show and spent two hours with me, we were just flowing, uh, was absolutely amazing. We talked about uh, the NFT community, obviously, but we talked about what you could do with NFTs beyond art. It includes art, but how can you take your art to the next level? What can you do with your art to stand out? Um, a lot of this talk led back to the metaverse, uh, the virtual worlds, and just the creation of the metaverse. Uh, Coldy and I are kind of on the same page in the sense of, we are literally pioneering the virtual world. We are creating it. We are the ones that history books will look back on and say, damn, they did that. Um, and we're not even realizing it because we are so in the moment. But that is what's big for me. I think the next stop for NFTs is the metaverse. It's time to head into the virtual world and find a way to integrate it into the physical world. Um, so Coldy and I really talked a lot about the metaverse um, when what he's planning to do with this 3D generative art to take it to the next level. I think you guys are going to be mind blown. There's a lot of game for, for creators, collectors, artists, whatever it is. The Coldy lays out his game and how he really got to where he is. His mindset, his trials and tribulations, his experiences, how he views life. You guys are going to get all of that. Um, once again phenomenal episode one of my favorites my my longest so that'll tell you something i really hope you guys enjoy this inside look this personal look at mr coldy one of the biggest artists in the nft community be safe my people hey, hey you hear me? yes sir yes sir cool cool, cool. i'm okay. just gonna say this one thing before we start i just found out you're a lakers fan just now so this is very interesting. I would actually like to open with that. If, did you watch the game yesterday? You know, that's funny. So I have actually have a um, – that's a kind of a long story. So um, I did not watch the game. I, I watched the, the Warriors-Lakers uh, game, the, the elimination one. That was, yes. What would you think? Man, that was a doozy. Doozy of a game. Um, I'm a longtime basketball fan. So, yeah, it's uh, – um, the, the actual real reason I, so I grew up in LA and as a kid moved to Sacramento. So mm -hmm. it's always been the Lakers and the Kings have been like my teams. Oh, the Kings. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but during, I was a huge, huge Shaq fan and um, so much that I made a Shaq website. That was the first uh, web thing I ever did. What and, can I ask what year may I ask what year you created this website? Ah, uh, shit. 2001, I think. Oh, wow. A real Shaq fan. Yeah. And at the time of the boom of the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so the thing, like the, the craziest story, are, are we going live? Or are yeah, we, yeah. Uh... We're live. Okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool. So I can just talk. Um, mm -hmm. So the craziest thing was 
I had this, um, our family had a web hosting at the time, you know, like this was dial up days and my family got 10 megabytes of server space as part of our hosting package. And nobody used it back then, right? It was just a technicality. So I built my shock website on this little like server space. And my buddy, who's a sports nut, he ended up working for the NFL network. He's like, that's his life, right? He reads, he was reading Sports Illustrated and he sees my website <laughs> in the print issue of Sports Illustrated. Like out of- How'd you like, get your website on there? The top, what's that? How'd you get your website on there? They picked it. They, so they, they did this little sidebar about shock websites and there was like shock.com and then there was like my family's uh like tiny ass url that wasn't like a nice domain it was like talk about first mover advantage huh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god dude it was so funny so, so like go ahead he calls me he's like coldy dude you're in sports illustrated it's like what the f-? like and if he had not read that article you wouldn't have known that he is i would have never known that's that's honestly kind of crazy if i'm being honest that's a nonchalantly crazy story yeah yeah super nuts so i actually saw something interesting there what started with the name coldly um back with sports dude i I was a jock growing up um i still play i'm still i'm still in a men's league for what Uh, for basketball basketball yeah that's so cool i'm joining you next year yeah me too go ahead and I'm getting a, a you know, art gnome, uh, Jason Bailey. Okay, no, I'm not. Familiar. So you got to check out uh, Jason Bailey. He's an NFT like a godfather. He's a, he's a top top notch dude. He had these like headbands made that say art gnome, and I'm gonna wear. I'm gonna rock that all season. You uh, like in game? In game. Yeah. Oh, honestly, you you could wear a lot of your uh, wearables, can't you? Like in game. Like there's a lot of things you can do with that, and that's what I actually really wanted to focus on. It is your work and how. It can play in both sides, but actually, sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead and, and talk about the, the Coldly story. Actually, I'm very- Okay, yeah. So um, let's see. That was, let's call it seventh grade, um, playing Little League. Um, I got, you know, it's kind of a funny story. Like, so I, I was the kid who went to the, um, the Catholic school. We had no money, but that, my parents put me there, right? So I didn't know any of the kids in the public school. And I get a phone call from this guy. Um, he's like, uh, Hey Ryan, like I get the first pick in, in the draft. I want to, I want to draft you. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like what? So I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> like I was like 12 years old or something. I was like, Oh, okay. Or 14, whatever. Um, I was like, yeah, that's crazy. He's like, will you commit to my team? Cause he didn't know me. Like I was the outsider kid. And he's like, if you're down, like I'll pick you, but you know, it's blah, blah, blah. It's like, like it was really weird so he picked me up and the cool thing was so that led into I played with his son on like uh we were on the best team in our high school history so we're in like the hall of fame so it started in seventh grade with this guy right and then I ended up you know how it is when you play with your homies growing up and then as you get older no matter what sport you're playing you know what the other guys are gonna do right so I got in with this crew at like seventh grade as the outsider. And then by the time we got up to like varsity basketball, mm-hmm. we were, Oh man, we were good. We were a really good team. So in seventh grade at little league practice, there was another guy on our team. Um, his last name was Brown and they started calling him Brownie. Right. And literally at the same practice, they started 
you know, look, they're like, oh, shit, like, Col- my last name's Colditz. And that doesn't roll off the tongue, right? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and there's a bunch of Ryans, right? Yeah. So it's just like, they're just like, it just clicked. And he's like, your new nickname is Coldy. That's a pretty like, sick nickname, though. And literally, like, I went through high school. All the teachers called me that. The coaches, everybody, you know, that was my name. And there was a kid that I was friends with for four years that it was at lunch. And someone was like, hey, Ryan. I looked over, like, hey, what's up? And they, they stopped me. And they said, wait your name is Ryan? I said, yeah, you know, they're like, I literally thought your birth name was Coldy. (laughs) Like, that is so fucking funny, right? So it's been ingrained, like more people know me in my personal life, as well as Coldy than than Ryan. And honestly, I think I just that name also has as a bring to it, like, that's one of the first names I heard coming into the NFT community. Um, So there was two things in that story. uh, I could relate to number one, my parents also sent me to a Catholic school growing up. Um, Not that we had any money, but they just wanted to send me to a Catholic school, as you said. Um, And I was also a very, 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 you know, sports jock, but mainly basketball. You know, I am a Bulls fan. We didn't make the playoffs this year. I know you're Lakers. I'll be honest. uh, Before we get into this NFT stuff. Oh, sorry about me. Uh, I do have the Lakers coming out the West. Um, You know, I, I do believe in LeBron James. I'm very disappointed in Anthony Davis this year, to be honest with you. Just thought he just didn't try his best uh, until the end of the year. But I still, nonetheless, I've seen the best out of him recently. And, you know, honestly, I'm ru- I'm always rooting for LeBron. I want to see LeBron really prove everybody wrong. He's a great guy, you know. That just hey, He's a good guy. Um, but besides that, I want to know this. Uh, you are one of the, uh, for people that don't know, Mr. Coley's one of the most known artists in the NFT community. Uh, one of the names that I first heard uh, when I came in, if I were to name my top 10 NFT, you know, artist names when I first got in this community, you were one of them, sir. Um, so may I ask, you have a very peculiar style of art. Um, it's a 3D generative art. But before we even get how you into your specific style, how did the concept, uh, the niche of art come into your life? And how did you get good at it? Yeah, you know, it's funny. These are all parallels, right? So um, back at high school, I, I can tell you my formative days, um, you know, you, you always look at like your life and how you get to a certain place, right? There were these certain things throughout my life that it's so beautiful looking back. So uh, my grandparents had one of those magic eye posters in their house. You know, do you remember those where you kind of like uh, kind of cross your eyes at lazy and then like this like picture kind of pops out at you? Okay. Like, no, but I think I, I'm, um, I'm. It was like early 90s. I think my little sister like has thing like back in the like early 90s. And yeah. It, called magic eye so if you can like relax your eye in a certain way this like cgi oh. thing kind of popped out. oh okay i get you okay so they were not creative people but they had this weird fucking thing in their house right so i learned that viewing method and i just it was 3d i was like holy wow like as a six or seven year old oh, i think wow, i know what you're really talking really pretty cool right yeah and then we also had uh the view masters with the little red thing that you put up to your face and you click the button have you ever seen those uh yes those i have seen actually okay so i had those as a kid so and and to me i was able to put in these slides and i would be transported to different parts of the world like china or ancient uh wherever like wherever these cards were from like mount everest you know so it made such a huge impact on me and i was looking at stereoscopic images and i but i didn't know it because i was a kid but i knew it was a 3d picture it was pretty cool right so that's at like age 10, right? So as I start getting older, 
and I still remember this. I took a, um, a graphic design class at my high school. Um, I, I, I was very lucky. This public high school I went to was, it was just phenomenal at the right time. The correct teachers, the right sports. It was a great heyday. And that teacher, uh, Mr. Wolf, hats off to the guy. He, he said, he's like, Coldy, you, you need to be put in a bubble, a little box, and people need to leave you alone, and you, and you make stuff. And, and he said that when I was like a freshman. He's just like, you're that guy that just needs to like go and, and do your thing, right? So, That's and, I, dope. And, and he, dude, he, he was right on. He was my basketball coach too. You know, like we deeply ingrained relationships. So Like a mentor. A total mentor. Yep. And to this day, you know, I, I, I see the guy. Um, he produced out of this class some phenomenal artists. Uh, one of the guys uh, was an early UI designer for Uber. Uh, one of the guys was a director of photography for um, uh, music videos like I'm on a Boat. The, the, uh, yeah, yeah, I know that song. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's so, a like, big hit. These, these guys, like, like high-impact creative yeah. dudes. So we were all, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old in our own little creative hubs, right? I was the graphic designer, you know, my homie was a videographer. You know, we had all these different people. We had to act in each other's um, movies. We had to pitch in, right? So we were all getting this vibing that was so nuts at the time because there was no crew. Like, yeah, you no just one have does to that. Cameras, you know, like, yeah, cameras on this thing. It's a feature length film. So let's like see what happens, right? So through all of that, I, I just believe this magic was, was fostered. And then when we all s- split out and started doing our stuff, we, there was this magic that, that kind of like resonated through all of us. So that's really where I got into, um, I got into publishing. Um, so I, I published the school. So I was on the basketball team and I was making the, the, the magazine for each game. So I was designing the thing. I was literally printing and stapling right before warmups. So like I was, I was hustling at, at 17 and 18, like, like they're like, Colby, you got to stop printing. Like you're late for warmups. You know? So honestly, I think that also played a big part in your art ability today. Like you were doing that hustling at a young age in a developmental stage for your brain. You were, that probably played such a big part in your ability to make art today. Yep. 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 hundred percent. So you know, and, and it's funny, I was digging, I, I moved recently and I, and I keep all my old artworks and things like that. And I found the first piece of art I ever made. It was for a school art show and it's eerily close to my portrait series, you know, in this like crazy, weird fractal way. Like there's a friend of mine, I took a picture of him and I just like enlarged his ear super big for like some surrealism, I guess. And it's just like, wow, dude, like, it's just beautiful to see, like, where you start in those little connectors. It's like, yes, you know, like, it took it took me 20 years to go from that first picture into, you know, NFTs, but, like, like I can see that path in that single picture. So that's what I was going to touch on. Do you think now that where you are, when you look back, because I'm starting to see, like, hints of that, but you're further along your journey than mine, but do you think that the skills that you learned at a young age and the activities you did all kind of combined to form the product you have now, or do you think you think that's what it is? 
yeah, it's it's the perfect like. You, you know, it's kind of, I mean, first of all, for an artist, like I'm an artist, I make art because I need to, like, it's my outlet. It's my therapy. It's my passion. It's like literally what my brain is wired to do. Right. So like, if I ever have an opportunity, that's what I want to do. So creating is, is the first thing, but then, you know, my bedroom, like all the stuff behind the wall here, I've made these things over the years just cause I was nobody buying them. Right. I was just making shit and then it would start piling up in my bedroom. And that became the onus of you got to get out there and share your stuff. And, and I'm a very reclusive artist. Like I have, I'd rather be alone for better or worse. Right. But I had to force myself to like find an art show and like force myself to talk. And so it's each of these like super scary hurdles that, you know, I have anxiety, like, dude, for better or worse, I got it. Right. So it was so scary to do that first show. But once I did it, I was like, okay, that's done. You know, now I can do another one and it's way easier. So it's the journey of like being, um, making art and then like, allowing your art to live on are two separate things because this stuff could stay in my bedroom forever, you know, or my studio now, like it would stay in my art in my bedroom. And I, I looked at it. I'm like, I didn't like make this stuff to just sit on the shelf as well. I want someone to enjoy it. Right. So then you got to start finding ways to like put it out there, put it out. Right. So um, I don't know if that exactly answered your question, but um, kind of what you were saying about, you know, the things that led up to where I'm at now to take you back. I don't know how old you are. I, I just turned 39, 25, so 35. Okay. So we're 25, 20, 25, 25. Okay. So I'm, I'm ahead of you. Right. So I grew up in the um, like mid eighties to the 2000 when I grew, when I graduated. Okay. So what I got to do was first of all, in the eighties, there was no internet. So I got to be outside a lot. I got to be quote unquote real kid without technology. There's no internet. There's none of that. But then I was techie when computers started. I had friends who built computers. I remember getting an MP3 disc from my friend on the last day of school. And like, I felt like we were hackers. Did you believe got- in the internet bubble? Sorry to interrupt. Did you believe like during that time, were you a big believer in the internet in 1995? Um, I would say yes. I wasn't like, you know, I didn't have like a world vision of like how Amazon would take over, but I knew that. um, So like my, my grandfather had an old Apple uh, Macintosh box, like old, not even the iMac, like the old, old box. And he showed me paint on there. And like, I started like, whenever I went to their house, that was my happy spot. I went to that Mac and I started drawing doodles and you know and I understood computer graphics without having any skill like I sucked but it was in there right so when the internet came along with graphics I guess I understood it then because of websites like the shack site so my my test to myself I like doing projects to learn things I created the shack website you know um I took a class at the community college about you know web design so I got in by doing stuff, you know, 
And then after that, I would say kind of, kind of prior to that, I would spend my summers building Sim City worlds. Do you know Sim City? Yeah, that's important. That's very big. Yeah. So I, I was just, I, that's how I was being creative at that time. I would literally be in my room for like 10 hours a day on summer break, like building rooms. You know? no, but that's so big. That's so important because especially Sim City, because I kind of did uh, variations of that. Like I played RuneScape and I would like build like certain things or various like games. Yep. I honestly think um, I kind of see like people like us, like artists, obviously I'm nowhere near your level, but I'm in my own way. I kind of like you, what I relate to when you're talking, it's funny to me because I just think of building, like you just like building things, creating things. I think this can translate in a lot of areas really. Yeah. And, and just to your point, we, we are both artists and there's no hierarchy, right? Well, yes, but, but, but I, I, have to, I just have to say that because yes. you are good at what you do, right? We all have our special Yes, skills. but you're better but, at what you do. No. Nope. Well, I, but okay. Fine. Thank you Fair for enough. the compliment. Yes, sir. But I, the, all I'm saying is like uh, the inner strength, like you, you're, you're the man, right? Oh, yes, so sir. You yes. Got your shit. You Thank know. you. I appreciate you. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so SimCity, my parents were concerned. They're like, you're in your room all the time. Like you need to go outside. But that is what taught me about the metaverse. Like that is what taught me about a virtual world. So when the virtual world came out, I already knew how to city plan a virtual world. Like I built the damned city. I have a freeway, you know, like, and, and so those are the ways that you can kind of like hack. That's how I hacked my way into like understanding some of this stuff. You know, it's like, cool. I did some city. Um, I collected baseball and basketball cards, like a fiend when I was a kid. So then when NFTs came around, I already was obsessed. Yeah, you're with used to this. Right. Mm -hmm. So then the mix of that. And then when I lived in LA, uh, when I went to school and I was working, uh, doing graphic design down there, I would go to art shows all the time and I was broke as a joke, but I would pretend and I would dream that I, I could buy anything I wanted. Right. So I would walk around and I would, you know, study the art and I would say, okay, I'm taking that one and that one. Right. And I, I was like, kind of like training my brain to be a collector and a curator, even though I couldn't, those things it's just the beautiful mess of everyone's life, right? They all just like came together in this certain time that allowed me to, to get in and, and take part in this, like this Renaissance really. So one thing I noticed there is you said something that, you know, you hear every like uh, big figure say in these inspirational videos. I, you know, it's oftentimes I try not to watch those. I try to keep a pragmatic point of view, but sometimes I'll find myself watching these videos and every night, every person I listen to says the same thing you just said, but that was very inspiring, but in different variations, they'll go, uh, they'll drive down a block and they'll think of, oh, that's going to be the house I live in. That's yeah. the art I buy. Um, so that's visualization is something I do. I just pace around in my room at 6am weirdly, not like that. I got to start doing more things like that, but I actually wanted to get into because um, I noticed something very big. Uh, you said that you were just so the NFT game came easy to you because of your previous experience in collection collectibles. Um, so I wanted to, as we transition, I, the main focus of this episode, I really want to cover the metaverse, but I want to start with NFTs uh, to have built your name uh, in the NFT community to what it is. I think um, is, it's very, it's an inspiration to me for sure. 
but I wanted to ask you how these, the concept came in your direction. How did you even found out of, about them and how you transitioned your already established career um, at the time into this uh, market? Yeah. Um, I guess a little bit again of, of, of synchronicities and kind of listening to your intuition. Um, it's funny. I was at um, our family Christmas uh, gathering uh, my cousin at the time was going to MIT, super smart kid, does robots before robots were cool, right? Yeah. So he was doing robots. And uh, I was like, dude, what's up, smart cuz? You know, like, what, what are you up to at MIT? You know, tell me about college. And the, the, one, <laughs> thing he brought up, the one thing that he brought up was, oh, dude, we're, uh, we're mining Bitcoin out of our dorm room. Okay. And this was 2010. And who? Okay. It made no sense to me, right? It was not anything on my radar. I didn't ne never even heard the term, you know. Um, and I was like, "Cool, like tell me more." You know, like what what's this about? And he's like, "Well, you know, so you know, mining." He started telling me some of the technicalities, and he said, "Well, you know, we don't get, you know, a Bitcoin every day, but we get like a half a Bitcoin every day." And I don't know, like I was like, "What are they worth?" He's like, "Yeah, like a couple bucks." I was like, "Cool, you know, like cool." <laughs> I and you know, um, so that was the seed plant and I didn't do anything with that. You know, it totally went over my head. But it was in your head though. But it planted, right? Yeah. It was in there. So later on, it was like 2017 ish. I was, I'm, I'm into like, I'll listen to any podcast just because I love inspiration and weird ideas. Um, I love, um, contrarian money systems, you know, like gold and silver or, you know, what is currency? What is, what is the US dollar? What do these things mean? What value do they tangibly have, right? So I just love listening to people talk. And one of them brought up, you know, uh, Bitcoin or, or blockchain, you know, then just, I was like, wow, this is crazy. And all the gears started turning, you know, from all the different experiences. And I went to Google and I simply typed in blockchain and art, because those are the only two things I could put oh, together wow. that I could like be a part of. What you year know? was this? What year was that? Uh, that was, I think I started investigating in 2017. Ooh, okay. Or tw early 2018, right around then. Okay. And the art game there was zero, really. Yeah, that's, on, that's why I'm like, ooh, that's very, very early. Yeah, very early. So, like, there was CryptoPunks, um, and then there was um, a site called Dada NYC. Uh, these are all legendary pro projects. People should look these up. I, I didn't fit into either of those ecosystems, but then there was another one called Rare Art Labs, and it was a marketplace where you could tokenize your artwork and you could sell it for cryptocurrency, right? That essentially what we're doing now, but with older technology, it's not as progressive as it is now. So I emailed, I just emailed the team. I said, hey, um, I had to get out of my own comfort zone, right? Same thing as trying to do that show. It was the same thing as a fractal. So I emailed him. I put myself out there and I said, hey, um, here's a couple artworks I've made. You know, um, I'd love to be on your platform. And there was no demand. I think they probably wrote me back within, you know, a couple hours or a day. You know, it was like, hey, dude, like, thanks for finding us. <laughs> yeah, they were surprised. <laughs> yeah. I imagine they're in their dorm room or their, their apartment. Like, dude, homie, somebody emailed us. You know? because <laughs> it was that dead of a scene so they're like dude you're in you know it's just like yeah you got cool weird shit um dude yeah go for it so 
that was the start, you know, and it was just that first step that I had to get in out of my own head and just be like, okay, I have made this stuff and by no means do I think it's Picasso, but it's, it's out of my head and it's, you know, I, I, I want, I just want to share it, you know? So I tokenized some stuff and there was no collector market at all. Like nobody, there, there were no sales. Um, the coolest thing that actually happened from that was rare art labs had a little, um, collaboration with Coinbase. And what Coinbase did was they picked, I think they picked two artworks off the platform and they put them in their Coinbase headquarters on these like um, gallery screens and they picked one of mine for that. So I was like, fuck, that was like a cool little like honor, I guess. I don't know, whatever you want to think about Coinbase, but like, holy shit, like that's great exposure. You know, Can I say something really quickly. Sorry, you know, both this part of your story and the Sports Illustrated part, uh, I just want to point out that highlights a theme. Uh, luck is when preparation meets uh, opportunity, right? Is that what yep. the, the you were 100%. working your ass off? You were working your ass off and you investigated down the right path and the universe returned your favor, right? Yep. That's so dope. And, and, and big shout out to my basketball coach. Um, he could have coached college. If he wanted to, I bet you he could have coached pro. He was a very, very good basketball coach. And he instilled these things like the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Like that's what he would tell us at halftime or at the beginning of the season where you're out of shape. And he's like, we are going to do this. Right. So those things matter, right. You get those, those hustling, those like hard work, and it's actually, do I have it here? Let's see. You're going to love this one. Okay. Go ahead. I was at uh, the, the uh, let's see. Where is it? Uh, it's not going to work. Hold on. Yeah, I see. I see it. Yep. A journey of a I got thousand this miles last must week. begin. Oh, wow. Wow. I got this last week at the, uh, my favorite restaurant in town. And you kept it. Oh, yeah. It was just, it's those things that where your, your intuition and all that, when I got that fortune cookie, that was like a nod. That like, yes, keep going, right? Okay, me, so do you, those... so can I ask you a question about that? I, I don't want to interject, but you keep bringing up points and I don't want to forget this, but. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, so do you believe that, all right, so you you are, let's say you are on the other end of the spectrum. I'm trying to get to where you are. I'm, I'm, I'm a young man on my journey. Sure. Do you believe that you just said things like that matter? And for example, I'm just going to really quickly say January, 2020, I was working as a, as a buster at a restaurant in my head. I, I had just put this, my sports podcast on pause. And I knew because I got in a fight with the studio I was at and I said, I need to have my own equipment and I need to do it in my own. So I got this job as a, as a buster. And I remember January, 2020, my idol, Gary V walked in the room okay. and he sat down and at our restaurant, we're not allowed to go talk to anybody or we're going to sure. get fired. It's Cipriani. Yeah. And I straight up walked up to him and just started shaking my hand like this. And I just, I said, I knew they were all looking at me. I just said, yeah. I have to put this out there. And I said, you know, I'm Cena. And I just told him, I want to like be able to like do what you do one day. And he asked me, what's your, what's the name of your show at the time? I wasn't even thinking talk too much. And I just said, talk too much. And, and for me, like I, I really tried to refrain from thinking, that's just some like magical moment. I was going to ask you, do you believe in moments like that? Like that it's meant to be, or do you believe it's just a coincidence? It's a pragmatic manner. 
I mean, I, I think there's, there's both, right? I think it's the, the discerning eye is able to take a step back at that moment, right? Or later on, right? But you, you accept that moment for happening and then it's up to you to investigate it or not. You know, you oh. could write it off as a coincidence or you could say every thought in my mind has created this opportunity. And if, if I choose to act on this opportunity, it will shift my trajectory, right? Okay. It'll, it has a, the ability because so many people get those and they write them off or they're too busy or they don't have the vision to see that. And that, I think those same things will reoccurringly happen to you until you either give up on them or you accept it. And once all you have to do is accept it, right? And once you do, you get to go to the next, it's like a video game. But that's, right? that's like, when you accept it, you're leaving yourself open for like disappointment, aren't you? Opportunity. I mean, okay. okay so like, I'll tell you some of my best um, opportunities have been face planting when I went for it. Oh, right? okay. Okay. So um, I could, I could want to hear, I'll, I'll tell you a story about, about these opportunities. Okay. So um, actually, You painted that, by the way. Oh wow! Yeah. So this, um, what this is a um, it's on canvas. That's dope. And uh, it's this weird process called uh, an image transfer. So it's very labor intensive, but you're able to like transfer ink from paper onto a surface, kind of like screen printing, but way effing harder. Okay. So I started doing this because it was the only. It was one technique I learned in school that I could take digital images and get them onto like a canvas because I don't draw, you know? So. Um, that's kind of insane. That's a great con. That's a great technique. Yeah. What the fuck? Well, yeah. Look it up. It's called image yeah. transfer and like, and it's, it's actually a meditative process because if you don't pay attention to what you're doing, you have to burnish paper off of gel. <laughs> and long story short, if you don't pay attention the whole thing like flakes away and it's gone. Okay. So literally 60 hours of like, it's like karate kid. You're like wax on wax off. Like, <laughs> getting the shit off. Right. And it was the piece after this one here that I messed up very bad. Like the whole top quarter of it flaked away and you can't fix it. There's zero way to go back. And I literally took the thing canvas and I put it in the trash can. I was defeated. It was a failure, right? It was my second piece. I said, yeah, that's what happens. You know? Well, then I listened, I listened to my, 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 my intuition was like, no, 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 no. You were going to fix, you're going to fix this thing that the opportunity was there. Right. And I, and I said, why not? Let's see, you know, let's, I pulled literally pulled the thing out of the trash can and it popped in my head. Like I got to the next level and then my head took over and it's like, okay, you're going to blowtorch that thing. You're going to physically burn the canvas away from the part that messed up. I had never worked with fire. Never. Yeah. Seen well, that's extreme. <laughs> yeah. It's... Never. And it just hit my head. And I was like, yes, I just trusted my intuition and I did it. Right. So once I, and, and so in a sense you get this effect where, you know, I got a blowtorch, cut the thing, and, you know, I started burning holes in it. 
you know, just kind of going for it. And I shit you not, I got, I got into a local, my local little town. They had an art show. I got into it. And that piece sold in an art gallery. And it was, that was the first thing I'd ever sold to anybody. And, you know. It really? Was a, That's interesting. Beautiful manifestation. And I sold an original piece for $600, which at the time, dude, that went a long way. Oh, what? Like, I'm crying. Huh? I would cry. Yeah, that's just a, a I was principle. Crying. Yeah, just like from from trash to treasure, literally, right? So, and so I sold the thing for six hundred bucks. Traditional art world, they took forty percent. So I got like a check for four hundred and forty bucks or something, right? I was over the moon. I was elated. And small town, my mom knew the lady through a friend who bought it. Okay. After the fact. So I'm still in contact with this lady who owns it. And I just recently, uh, my mom asked about it. And um, I told the lady, I said, Hey, you know, I'm all about early collectors and like loving when you um, support early artists. Cause it's, it's like a, like a venture capitalist thing where you're investing in them in the future. That's what art collecting is. You're like, this is cool, but if they do more stuff later on, the value of this art will go up. You know, essentially, that's what art collecting is. And yes, I had to tell the lady like my journey since I sold I sold her the piece in like 2012. Like when was this time. conversation? Huh? When was this conversation with her? Um, the one that the new the new conversation or the, the yeah. So this, this literally was like last week. My mom oh. was like, hey, my friend's going to go see your sister, um, you know, the one who owns your art. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I would love to tell her what's happened in those like 10 years. And, you know, that's why I love early collecting, because that $600 piece is a lot higher now. It's like, oh, she you could change your life. Like her life could be changed if she sold yeah. out. Yeah, and I, I kind of like loosely told her that. I said like, you know, <laughs> you know, like you you own the first one, you know. So <clears throat> I'm, I'm not like a blue chip traditional artist, right? Yeah. But I was like, yeah, you know, thank you. And this is this is the love of that. You know, she thought it was cool. I was like, dude, you won. <laughs> you know, so like I in in the in it kind of keeps going. You know, I, I love my collectors. I'm very rarely sold. People who buy my stuff hold on to it for the most part. And actually, this is a perfect segue. Just today, I released a, um, I basically, everybody who holds one of my NFT portrait series is getting a free uh, 3D virtual reality artwork. Okay. And I've never done anything like this before. It's the first of its kind. And I could sell one of them. And, and make money on it. But I love my collectors so much that I decided to do a giveaway that if you have just held my art, especially some of these people have hold it for three years and turned down sales, here's a free gift, right? And it's just a, a, a love from me to them. Can right? you explain so, the, the, the 3D, the VR art uh, to my audience? What exactly does that entail? Sure. Okay. So, um, Essentially, what, what I've done with this portrait series over the last three years was I, I would take a, a figure and it started with 
people in cryptocurrency. So I started with uh, the uh, the co-founder of Ethereum, Vitalik Buterin. Yeah, I just want to mention that one. Yep. So what I did, um, again, it's going to keep coming back. It's a theme with me is, is listening to your intuition. <laughs> and, and, and it's because it happens over and over. I was driving in my car and the, the idea of decentralized popped in my head, two words. And it's a portrait series. And it literally just started like it was shown to me, right? So it's, it's a single person. But I went on the internet and I found like 10 different pictures of them. And I would clip out the nose, the ears and the mouth and the hair from different photos. And I recombine them into a portrait. Okay. So it's, it's pop art. It's an awesome way to talk about what decentralization is like with blockchain and everything. And it's funky and weird, you know, and, and, so I started making those and it's been about three years and I've done probably I don't know, 30 of them or more, you know, so I've done a good amount. And so you have this collage, but for the, the first three years, I was learning different ways of showing off the 3d effect. Okay. So I'm always learning. The first one was just a still picture and you put 3d glasses on and it, it popped out at you. You know, that's my passion is 3D glasses art. So I did that. I realized most people don't have 3D glasses. So then I had to, again, problem solve and figure out how am I going to kind of like get the gist of what I'm doing without having the glasses. So then I, I started figuring out these camera movements in um, you know, Photoshop and After Effects. So I'm always just learning, sharpening up my, my tool set, right? So the transition from, you know, the camera movements. Now what I've made is a true um, 3d object where these pictures are on different planes in space. And what you can do is you can tokenize that so that, you know, when you, when you, you know, sell it or whatever, it's an NFT, you can like with your cursor, you can rotate the thing all around, look at it from all different angles instead of being stuck on this like video loop I made, you know, you can explore it. You can scale it up as big as you want. You know, so, um, you know, these NFTs I'm giving in the next five, at least five years, we're all going to have some type of apartment or like a hangout spot. Right. So we're all going to have our little like. I see where you're going cave, with this. Yeah. Right. A man cave, you know, your kick it with your homie spot. So I, these gifts, NFTs will can go into those rooms and instantly you have a 3D sculpture that is a collectible art piece, right? So that's where I'm headed is making these things um, more uh, like spatially interactive and taking up an environment instead of simply like a video file. So that's probably one of the coolest things I've heard because, you know, for me, I'm at, you know, uh, in the NFT community, I'm really looking right now uh, the art boom has been amazing and I'm really looking to exploit other use cases and see, I'm looking to see where this evolves. And that right there uh, is to me just innovative, you know, as fuck, excuse my language, because you're talking about an NFT, a digital token that now in real life, uh, just like a painting you'd hang on your wall, but a 3d version is 
just that concept is asinine. And I wanted to bring up another point. Um, what do you think about the metaverse? Because we were on that before. And could these NFTs serve, like, let's say I were to buy one, but let's say I have a land in one of the virtual worlds. Could these go up on my land? Like these NFTs take up a, a portion of my land too? Like where else is your head? Uh, where else are you thinking about the, these things? Yeah, so um, awesome question. So we're, we're at the, um, I would call it the Atari phase of virtual reality. So, okay, you know, video mean? game history, Atari was like one of the first ones that you could oh. have a cursor and move around. Like, and that, that dates me, but like I, I used to play Atari in 1985, right? Baseball was like eight bit blocks running around a grid, right? It was like super basic, but it proved the use case, right? So that's where we are in a fractal where we are now um, pioneering and just kind of the guinea pigs in this new uh, experience of virtual reality. So the way I'm seeing it, just like you, is, is I'm trying to project what I want to see in the future um, for myself, but also just art in general. You know, like what, what can I, and by no means am I the first person to do any type of uh, VR NFT. There's, there's OGs like uh, Joy, uh, people should look up Joy. Um, he's been handling this shit for a long time, and he is a, a VR sculptor. So we, we all, we're all on the shoulders of each other, right? So Joy is a draw. He draws in, in VR. Like the guy's on a different level. He's like a 3D sculptor, like Blender. Um, yeah, yeah Blender, but he actually draws in VR with his handsets. He like Oh, like his 3D avatar draws in VR. Not him. Uh, in he, real. he puts on the he yeah. puts on the virtuality headset. Yeah, and then he does live streams where he shows him drawing, zooming in, doing details. But his avatar is doing it. Um, both. Yeah. Oh, okay. I get what you yeah. mean, though. I yeah, but he's mean. like he'll do a live stream of in his art studio, in VR, showing both. It's oh. it's kind of like a simulcast, but so he's like an OG, right? But what I what I do is different. I'm I'm more of a designer artist. So my little thing I always wanted to do, and I want to do this two years ago. It just wasn't available back then. Was taking images like I collage and put them into a physical space, right? So um, that's where I'm headed. You know, that's my evolution. That you know keeps me interested in making art. I have incredible ADD, and I just get bored real fast with ideas and it's always like, okay, that was cool. But like, you know, what's next. Right. So it, it's the hustle mentality, but also like I'm bored. I want to like, if I'm not, um, I'll only release something if I am wowed by it, you know, like that's the only, that's the gut check, you know? So getting into these VR NFTs is getting that wow factor to me. So that's, that's my litmus test of, is this go live? Like, is this, it's a huge risk. I've never done this, but I'm doing it. And what I'm also doing is kind of future proofing it. So um, basically when someone has one of these VR NFTs, it comes with a, um, a future proofing, you know? So let's say in five years from now, the video file that is standard now is no longer used. Well, they can come back to me and I'll, I'll re-export uh -huh. you the yeah. thing you need, you know? That's so it's, good, yeah. it's an ongoing relationship where you're like, we're getting into virtual worlds and no one has any idea, but 
in 20 years from now, this file is probably going to be obsolete just because that's what happens. So hit me up and I got your back, you know? So it's, um, we're early. We're super early with all this. And that's really what I want to, I, I actually realized recently. Um, I've actually become obsessed with the metaverse because I've kind of realized, I've realized two things about this. Number one, uh, it is the future. Ready Player One, that movie, the concept behind that, like we really are headed there through blockchain. Um, and number two, we're very early. Be, for sure. You said it best. I was going to ask if you've heard of Somnium Space or uh, Decentraland or any of these virtual worlds. And I was going to ask if you had any plans to one day take your art in there. Uh, I do know Somnium Space is a VR. That's what attracted to me recently. Uh, is its VR capabilities. And I was just going to ask what your thoughts are on these virtual worlds. Do they play a big part in NFTs evolving? A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I, um, so early on I was in a, a crypto voxels land. I was, um, I started buying land there just because uh, first of all, you know, it's just, I think it's smart to own little chunks in, in virtual worlds, especially if you can, it doesn't have to be a big space, but I think in the future, everyone's going to want to have their little like, you know, hangout spot. Like we were talking. I did just buy a parcel of land in Somnium. I was torn between Somnium and crypto voxels. Actually, I'll ask you that at the end, but go on. Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. So like I started uh, getting some crypto voxels land. This was been like two years ago. No one couldn't give it away. So I was, I was buying uh, land um, with art sales money. Like I don't have, I'm an artist, right? I don't have money, but what I would do was I would reinvest part of my, my sales back into other artists. So I started collecting NFTs, but then I would also use a portion to do other stuff like diversified, buy, I would buy like a little square parcel of land and crypto voxels, right? So through that, I was able to build my Sim Cities, right? I was building art galleries for my own stuff just because it was empty land. And what are you going to do as an artist other than throw your own stuff up on the wall? It's like free marketing, right? So I would, I would build out my own little galleries and, um, you know, just kind of get into the scene. And as that one started growing, you know, Decentraland was right there also. Uh, they're more of the 3D model type based uh, virtual world. And these, these, uh, these NFTs Zombie, I just yeah. released, oh, yeah. you can drop those into Decentraland. You know, so, uh, and also Somnium space. So it kind of in progression, it was like crypto voxels in um, Decentraland were kind of on the first wave. And then Somnium space came in uh, soon thereafter. And I'm probably most bullish on Somnium right now because they are heavily VR based. And um, the dev team, Arter, um, I interviewed him on the cool. show. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I don't think I've never actually talked with him. We've chatted, but the dude is like, he's in it and he's a forward thinker. Can like, I just say something about him? He is, in my opinion, out of anybody um, I've come across uh, in terms of people spearheading protocols uh, in crypto or I've researched he is one the only person like and i'm not saying the only because there's everyone in 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 crypto everybody's passionate like this but he really is in the trenches with his team like day in day out in the discord in the vr setting if you're in if you put your headset in somnium everybody says you will see arthur and for me i they have something about that i think you'd be interested in is 
they have this capability for NFTs. Uh, now they show uh, GIFs and videos, but where you could walk in the artwork and it surrounds you. So mm. it's, it's kind of similar to uh, yours is on the outside of my vision, right? But it either I'm inside the art or outside the art. It's a type they can create art that just like you said earlier, it takes up space. That is why I was very interested in Somnium. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yep. No, that's awesome. Well, we'll have to talk more about that. Yeah. It's just, it's that, it's the immersiveness of art that I think we're, it's that new paradigm where, you know, Monet or whoever were, were painting their, their daisy fields or, you know, a, a day at the beach, these like iconic landscape type of, um, you know, artworks. I believe that in their mind, they wished that they could make it more immersive, right? But at the time, all they had were oil paints. And I think that art and technology have come together and created ultimate possibilities that it's up to us to take the tools and reimagine them in a way that makes this all possible. And um, an another one of my a random art series I did was called Gandinsky. Uh, do you know the artist Kandinsky? No. Okay, so Kandinsky was a um, more of kind of a geometric, um, maybe geometric surrealist. I'm kind of making, making, making up terms, but he would use shapes in an abstract way that are this just like my, my jam. I love Kandinsky. And what I did was I took uh, Kandinsky artworks and I ran them through a process called a GAN art generator. So it basically a computer, you feed it like 200 Kandinsky paintings and it interprets those and it starts spitting you back random artworks. It's like an AI so, generator in a way, right? AI, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it's generating new Kandinsky things that I would take and then I would collage those with my style. So I literally feel in a, in a way that I am actually collaborating with Kandinsky in some respect, right? That's what I was going to say. Like, you're kind of entrenched in Kandinsky's history now. Because yeah. you did make a, a, some noise with it. And, like, you are a part of this artist's history because of this technology. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I do it with the utmost respect. Like, every decision I make, I imagine that Vasily Kandinsky is next to me. And he's saying yay or nay, right? So, with with artist-to-artist -artist respect, I've I made these uh, animations and the latest one I did was actually an environment where I had a camera that zoomed into it and like rotated around and you could see this like scene I built. And I did that because I didn't know how to do this. Okay. So now that I know how to build these 3D scenes, that's going to happen, right? I'm, I want to build immersive experiences and there's, um, there's actually this event going on this week uh, with Consensus. That's where this gallery's at. Do you, am I able to, can you allow me to share screen? Yeah. Is that an option on here? Yeah. Because I could really quickly pop in and show this uh, VR thing to everybody. And did it do it? Let's see. Yep. Okay. And this is your VR, the, your VR artwork? Yeah. So uh, it's, it's actually great timing because today was the first day I, um, I shared it with anybody. Oh, wow. Can you, can you see my screen? Yeah. Okay. You built so, this? Like you built the, the, the... I No, I, I did not build this. Okay. But 
Um, so the guy who built this is another guy to check out, Boombox Head. He's the master architect. He put on the show. Um, that's actually his artwork on this wall over here. So he's just, he's a wild creative guy. And he put together this amazing build. And is that your work right there? The, the 3D this, that is, yeah. This is it. So, you know, what I did for this piece was I took a bunch of different subjects. Uh, so there's a Warren Buffett, uh, Edward Snowden, John McAfee, uh, Winklevoss, uh, Vitalik Buterin, Andreas Antonopoulos, and um, Julian Assange are all represented in this collage portrait. Oh, wow. So, oh, wow. So collectors, so that blue eye right there, that's John McAfee. And if you looked at my super rare page, there's a whole portrait of John McAfee, but I just picked the eye. Oh, that. that makes this piece even more like rare in a way. Totally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is first time I've ever combined the subject into a single piece. And that's Vitalik's hair, right? Yeah. So Vitalik's hair um, and his neck. Oh, wow. Um, and it was actually pretty challenging to find ways to make these different portraits work together. But and you see, as you, planes. Come, you see how they're in different planes there? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. you know, it's, it's essentially what I've wanted to do. But again, it's just part of the the uh, the roadmap of, of learning new skills. You know, I think we're only as good as our, our skills and our, our willingness to learn and grow. That's interesting that you say that. Uh, that's something that, you know, can I can I ask you a quick opinion on this? Um, a lot of people my age and really, really, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but I was going to ask you, a lot of people my age really focus on money. It's all they see. You see most of society, money, money, money. And that's with due reason. You know, it gives you the ability to maneuver in our society. But I've come to realize that if that's your main goal, whatever it is, I think in a pragmatic manner, the quickest way to get there is improving your skills. Can you really talk about the perspective that I feel like young adults should have in, in terms of focusing on honing their skills or whatever it may be? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good question. I think um, money, money allows you to, to do more things. Right. And I say that because what you do with those things is also time. And I think that time is the most valuable thing that any of us have. Right. Because First of all, we're only alive a certain amount of time. It could be a day. It could be a hundred years, somewhere in the middle, right? You don't know, but we have time. And I think if you have money, it can allow you to use time differently to do what you want or need to do, right? So in this sense, as an artist, um, Money is only valuable in a sense that perhaps it would allow me to focus more on my art or it would allow me to upgrade my tools to make better art or I could reinvest that into classes to learn. You know, that to me, money is a, a useful tool, but it's not the end all be all because I've met plenty of rich people who are, you know, depressed angry, unhappy people that money doesn't fix any of that stuff. It probably actually heightens a lot of the underlying issues. 
So I think that, you know, also if you're focused on money, you're probably not uh, focusing on your health perhaps, or your, your, your mental health. And I think that um, it's an easy way to divert, um, you know, uh, progress in your life. If it's just like, give me the dollars, you know, <laughs> give me that fucking money. I get it. But um, I, I'm always about sweat equity. You know, I, I, I'm just like, I, mm-hmm. I've been in plenty of startup situations where there's no budget, but the creative thought, it's the mic drop. You know, when you're like, well, you know, we're sitting in a room and we got 20 bucks and we got an event we got to do. And, you know, we sit back and, you know, that wow moment comes in and everyone's like, holy shit, that'd be free. And that'll be, that'll, we'll win the whole show if we do that. You know, it's, you got to use your brain to, to get you places. And then when you get places, it's easier for someone to invest or give you. I love that. I really love that. The way you worded that was so, I think it's, you just nailed it in the sense. I, you got to use your brain to get places. And then when you get to places, it'll be easier for people to invest in you. I've never heard it put that way. That is a great way for any young adult to look at it, which is not to say that, you know, you know, money can't come to some people. I'm just saying in an overall, overall sense, I think that's a very authentic way to look at it. I was going to ask you this, What do you see for the rest of this year in the NFT space? Uh, people are freaking out over the crypto prices crashing. To me, I haven't, they haven't even paid attention to it. It doesn't matter whether they crashed or not. ETH, one ETH is one ETH to me. I denominate yep. in Ethereum. Uh, yep. I was, what do you make of the rest of this year in the NFT community? Now I feel like the critics are starting to come out their shell and laugh a little bit. Uh, what do you make of this? Um, I, I think that we have, we have seen like the first inflection point where the outside world has learned about what we've all been doing for years and that comes with a price, right? So, you know, we were selling stuff three years ago for a hundred bucks and we were stoked, right? Well, nothing has changed. We're all still making art. And what has happened is the doors have been opened for everybody. Like, and like, there's so many artists that are, learning about this for the first time. And I think that we're going through a growing pain because the infrastructure simply aren't built for a hundred thousand NFT artists to sell their art. Right. And, and a lot of that comes with collectors. And I'll keep saying this is there simply are not a balanced amount of collectors to balance the amount of art. And that has no bearing on the quality of art because, because I collect as well. Right. So I, I'll be looking around and I'm blown away time after time about these artists coming in, but it's so many people at one time that even the best stuff starts getting buried because there's new great stuff coming out tomorrow. Right. The standard keeps raising. Yeah. And it's it's for sure the standards raise, but the, the, the amount of people it's, it's suppressing like the ability to see everything right? Because there's just, people are minting and the way the platforms work, when it gets minted, it just pushes the other stuff down, right? So, you know, I I think that we're in a growing pains, but at the same time, this is exactly what we needed because, you know, everybody's finding out about it. You know, there's huge auction sales. Um, You know, I, I have to say, you know, when Beeple sold his huge piece, that opened up to a global scale what was happening. And there's certain events like that that need to happen 
to get a view on everybody. You know, that was an like, iconic moment in our in our yeah, in our community. One hundred percent. That that will be in the art history book in the crypto art chapter, right? That's gonna oh. be there. You know, and and not to say that Beeple's the best NFT artist ever, but what he did for the space at a growth moment is iconic. And and don't get me wrong, the guy's a, a master in yeah. art, but there's different things like that that are gonna start coming through, and it's. The same as looking at the Ethereum chart or Bitcoin, it booms, right? And everyone's in the mania. And then at a certain point, the hype goes away, right? So then things start selling for less. But as a collector, you know, the art's the same, you know? And I think that once the hype phase ends, there's going to be a nice, like, you know, leveling out where everyone first of all if you're like in this for the quote-unquote right reasons you're not going to leave just because the price of your art is selling for less so you're going to see who's in this for the long run and who's in this for a cash grab because i've seen plenty of cash grabs and no shade do do your thing but i'm a long-term artist if nfts weren't here it wouldn't change anything for me i'm still going to make art and i plan on doing nfts for freaking 40 50 more years right but it'll be interesting to see who sticks around in the, in the bear market and who is only like kind of opportunistic. And I think those are the people. And, and there's a crew of us that have been doing it for, I've been doing it three years. Yeah, you're, you're the OG. Let's get some straight. Like you're, I think even the people that stick around, they're not going to be on your OG level. Like you're really the OG. Like you've been here since 2017. Yeah. And in all, in, in all transparency, I'm an OG for, a, a, for like Ethereum-based art, right? But oh, I, yeah. I, I take my hat off. There are very super OGs, right? There's uh, Crypto Graffiti, um, who is a um, mostly physical art master at his craft. He's been doing it since like 14. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so super duper OGs. And then there's like the Rare Pepes that were like 2016, you know, Still. maybe 15. So... We're all, I keep, one of my things is we're all in this together, right? No one person is like um, the the end all be all, but like I've taken huge passion and respect from the people who who came before me even. So um, I would definitely call myself an OG of of like, of NFTs, if you want to get technical about it. And now like what's happening is if you imagine like a huge wave, the swell happened early, early on with like crypto graffiti and rare pepes and crypto punks, crypto kitties, right? The wave got bigger. I got in as the swell was happening. And now we're starting to get the, the huge waves that are coming. And as that wave crashes, you know, the cycles get bigger. So I think that, of course, like the hype doesn't continue forever, but the tech, the, the technicals worked. So all of us at the beginning had to prove that, this was a legitimate way to sell digital art. And that was why this whole thing took so long, I think, to really take off because there were people on the sidelines that weren't sure and they wanted to see someone else do it and kind of prove that use case. And art proved digital scarcity. You know, we were the guinea pigs. In a simple way, you could transact an asset 
on the blockchain for currency. And now you can exchange that for houses. You could exchange that for marriage licenses, you know, like pick your asset. We prove that. So now that, now that there's confidence in that, I truly think that crypto art is a huge uh, bonus for the, the whole Ethereum ecosystem. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. You guys are, dude, you guys are, you got, I, I, myself, but not obviously, I don't feel comfortable saying it, putting us in the same circle, but crypto art in general is the reason why. And if the whole crypto space started going towards full adoption in my period, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's, yeah. I mean, it was, it was the easiest way for anybody to yes. extrapolate value, you know, yes. like, and I, and not that it's exactly DeFi, but I do think that the parallels made sense to people when they could see asset transactions. And, you know, it, it's all kind of a beautiful cycle because a lot of DeFi people um, got into art collecting as well, especially on this last wave. So as you start getting more people in the, the Ethereum ecosystem, they start seeing assets in different ways, right? So a lot of my newer collectors um, come from the DeFi world. They're finance people. And, you know, diversifying holdings is part of the game, right? So now it's beautiful because these people who weren't art collectors before, but like art, are now able to come in and be an art collector. And that helps the whole ecosystem again. You know, it's just, it's, it's that swell of tide and it's rising, it's raising all the ships. And I, and it's just getting started, you know, even like crypto time is so different than like calendar time. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Like One I day thought is about like something year. that happened a year ago. Yeah. If you would have asked me like on a calendar when that happened, five years, it just yeah. seems like old history. And I think it's important for people in this space to use t again, time is like a theme. So how can you use crypto time to hack your way into a better reality? You know, that was interesting. Just, I got to write that down. Can, can you explain? Uh, can you go further in, into that quote just a little bit? Yeah. Further? Yeah. So like if, if we're talking about time being the most valuable asset in the world, how can you use crypto time to position yourself to not have to take those five calendar years to get what could be done in a year? In crypto time. And I also think a big part of this is we, uh, this new crypto slash digital universe uh, has a lot of first mover advantage uh, in a lot of areas. Um, so I really want to touch on what you said in your previous uh, statement. You said there's a lot of, uh, you know, technicalities to all this and this, the crypto art is just the beginning. And one thing I noticed on uh, your page is your collab collaboration with the Meta Factory, I believe, uh, on yeah. the shirts. Yeah, so, yeah. I what so I'm gonna before I give you the floor on this um, because this is the part that really interested uh, me. I came across this a while ago and it inspired me in a very big way. I'm currently in the middle of so my show's called the Talk Too Much podcast. I'm currently releasing a collection called the Talk To Me's, and you were actually a big part of this inspiration because of I saw these shirts. So yeah. I'm gonna ask is if these shirts can be worn? I can they be worn in the metaverse as well as in real life, like, do you get an avatar? Like, does, can your avatar wear these shirts in the game and you get a real life version of this shirt? Is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah. So before I give you that, that is the part that really got to me. And, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do, uh, except I'm going to tie it to marketing. So the person that invests in one of these, uh, it's a crypto art and it comes with an avatar to use insomnium and decentralized with it. Okay. 
and each one of them has a special marketing ability. So if you buy my collection, you'll get to, I'll advertise your page on my land and mm. I'll run like Facebook ads for you for three months or a month. So I'm cool. trying to think of unique things. And that all came from, cause you created that bridge between mm. the physical world and the metaverse. So I want to ask, is, are you looking to go further into this realm and what came, how did, can you go further in detail about this collection? Because I think this is one of those innovative collections people should hear about. Yeah. So, um, man, like I, I thought of this thing, uh, like over 10 years ago, I was living in LA and I don't know, just the same thing. The idea pops in your head and it was the split cut t-shirt and, um, I have, like a, I have a production model one. So um, I, I told it to my friend who was like, we're, it's funny, dude. So um, hustling. Uh, back in college, me and my buddy invented a, a bong for smoking weed. Okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we went to Home Depot and it was, um, it's basically like an hourglass thing with a, with a little twist knob on it. It creates a suction and it, it pulls the hit for you. Okay. Don't do drugs. People are bad. Yeah, yeah. We're not happy. But we did this thing and it ended up winning the best product from high times in 2006. So like we were like flabbergasted. We're like, Holy shit. That's, that's rad. So we got to side story, but we were hustling. Right. And, and during that time I had this idea for the shirt and I told him and he's like, it's so funny. He's a businessman. He's like, you can't do that. I was like, why? He's like, it's too big of an idea and someone's going to rip it off. They're going to take it to China don't do it. <laughs> it's like, it was kind of, kind of fair advice. It was kind of a negative Nancy type of thing. But over the years, I was like, yeah, I still want to do that thing. Yeah, that's right. A idea. So um, I had these uh, shirts printed. This is a production of one of them. So I basically had two shirts. It's a decentralized shirt, you know, so it's two things coming together. And I had a couple made uh, one of my homies, actually, I, my art studio is a screen printing uh, studio. So I had him make me some shirts. And, um, so we had it stitched. I proved it like a little, uh, minimum viable product, you know, MVP model it worked. And that was a couple of years ago when we didn't have all the, like the virtual worlds. And, uh, there's a tag inside the shirt where if you scan it, it'll prove its authenticity. So all these things I wanted to do back in 2018, but the tech wasn't there. And I, I think it was for a reason that it didn't work out. I wasn't able to, wasn't able to get them printed. The sewing person flaked on me. It was like all these different things, but in the back of my head, it's just like, that's for a reason, let it be. And, and now I, I'm buddies with Metafactory and I told them about it and they're like, dude, we can do all that stuff now. So it was a no brainer. So um, we, we got them made for real. Um, there's uh, there's, a super limited edition for this set and uh there's 10 of each and half of them i sold like two years ago for 60 bucks each i'm stoked for those people like they are i'm wow. the early collector thing right so i'm just like make it rain for them so I'm, honestly I'm you, that, sorry to interrupt that has so much like what you've done for these people like and i know the value of the art is high and but i just i'm just gonna point to the fact that you get you've given these people like your your neighbor, uh, your mom, mother's neighbor, like just the opportunity to financially change her life, you know, through your art. And that's, I think, 
beyond like like you there's someone that you've completely you've given them an opportunity and they you know you don't even come in contact with them on an everyday yeah. basis that's crazy yeah and and i think that's part of the journey we're on right so you it's high risk high reward on both sides you know so as a collector uh, they could have bought my portrait uh, three years ago for a hundred bucks right um right now like those are going for you know 50 60k right which is insane you know but I, I have no control once once these things are let out into the world you don't control it anymore it's like a baby you just let it go and you don't know what will happen when it grows up right so these experiments i did three years ago early collector risked a hundred dollars really like who knows what, what's going to happen but it paid off for them right so and, and i to the hilt i it makes me more happy when that happens with the, the guy who bought my shirt for 60 bucks. And he's like, yeah, you know, obviously he liked it. I'm so happy when I, when I deliver this to them, that two years of waiting is worth it. Right. Because now you get the shirt, you get the, um, so there's going to be a crypto voxels version. Uh, there's a VR chat version. And then we're future proofing it because logistically, um, I think Somnium also can do the VR chat. Somnium, if you could go into crypto voxels, you could probably go into Somnium because they both use similar files. I mean, you could okay. OBJ files can translate into a crypto voxel file, I believe. Sure. Yeah. So um, future proofed, basically. Like it's the same thing where it's like, hey, you know, if you if you um, if you own the token, hit me up. I'll get you the shirt, you know. Um, so yeah, so you have all the metaverse versions, the physical version. Um, and part of the original drop also that I, I have to honor because that was the deal uh, was also an NFT of basically like a cropping of the, the slice cut, you know, so that'll be its own NFT. So there's a there's a fat bundle uh, that you get with this thing. And I I just love um, tangible, like uh, like wearable art in a sense. Yeah. You know, and there's there's a time and a place, you know, if you're going to a, a conference, a crypto conference. You know, you want you want to dress up with something cool, then you know, put on put on the split cut Coldy shirt. You know, like or or not. Where like, can my audience buy your split cut Coldy shirts? Out of curiosity. Um. So actually, I just had a meeting about this uh, yesterday with Metafactory, and I think we're going to be launching, um, in somewhat short order, probably within the next call it month or so. Um, they're all created. Um, it's just kind of. Uh, getting the the web pages ready to sell, so it's it's on the horizon. Uh, definitely, Twitter is where I'm uh, most active um, at Coldy C O L D I E. Um, they'll definitely be on there, um, but that's how new it is. It's two years in the in the making of of new, so it's I want to do it right. Um, you know, we had a couple things where it's like, well, do you want to do it without that? And I was like, no, like I've <laughs> waited two years. So if it's going to take me another month, that's the deal. And when you said you know, without so, that, what, what are you referring to as that? Um, just different nuances of, of the tech. You know, okay, at, a certain, okay. at, a, at a certain time, minting on crypto voxels was cost prohibitive. We had opportunities to like skirt around that. And I was like, nah, no, 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 no. Like eh, we've waited two years. We could wait two more months. You know, do you think it'll ever, just, do you think it'll ever reach the level where, you know, 
I go into um, uh, my VR, let's say Somnium or CryptoVoxels, and and there's a Coley V-Cut store or Coley store, and I go in the store and there's like these shirts are there. Do you think that the NFT game will really reach that level one day? Yeah, I mean, I've uh, so I started selling um, 3D glasses wearables two years ago. Oh, that's dope. So, um, you know, just basically the red and blue glasses. Uh, they have my signature on the side, and on the other side, it says like how many are in, in the edition. That's so, like, dope. you know, 21, or you know, you can only do so much with a voxel um, wearable. But so I got my signature and, and the number in the edition. And same thing, man. Like, you know, originally I would sell them for. 30 bucks, which was, it's crazy, right? Like it's just, it's, that's crazy. That's that crazy. <laughs> but I'll tell you the collectability side is so real that I I've been selling them for, um, like I think prices have gone up, but like at one point it was $700 for a pair of 3d glasses. Right. And, and that just kind of goes to show metaverse fashion is a huge, huge marketplace that proving scarcity for an asset is real in the virtual world. And, and I see people like all the time when I go to events that have my glasses on and they're part of Club Coldy. You know, if you got those glasses on, we're homies. Like that is so sick. And I always go up and, you know, chat with them. It's like, dude, six shades. I, I'm wearing them too. You know, it's, um, I think what you said is big in the sense too that metaverse fashion hasn't even reached its prime yet. Like we're gonna, oh, yeah. the prime's gonna come when when the these virtual worlds are in, in full adoption. Yeah. I really don't want to take that much of your time, but I would like to ask you. Uh, uh, I asked this question to a lot of my guests: if there was a big goal or a goal that a passionate goal regarding your art um, that you'd have over the next 365 days, if I were to have another conversation with you a year from now, what would that goal be? Ooh, um, I think I, I think I'm starting to scratch that itch of more immersive art, and also finding ways to kind of um, create more of a community around the the token holders. So we all have tribes, and I think that as we go through this, having your own tribe is, is valuable, you know, for oh, good yeah. times and bad times, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, shit happens. Right. And, and to have a, a group and whether it's something good or bad happens to me or someone else in the, in the crew, we all have each other's backs. And I think that there's ways to use art and technology in such a way that you're, you're going to be able to start doing stuff where, you know, like I, I'm kind of testing that with this giveaway. If you own my token, you now have access to this thing over here. Oh, it's or, like an access token, like Gary V's V friends in a way. Yeah, yeah, in a sense. Yeah, you can start you can start assigning rights to oh, these yeah. NFTs. And that and people have done it. You know, I'm not I'm by no means like pioneering that, but you're seeing people do that um, in, in smart ways. It's all about how you leverage that. So for me, um, it's keeping that community alive. Uh, growing and fostering like a good group. Like through the years, I've kind of been able to select my collectors in, in different ways. Not like, I don't like you, you can't buy it, but um, like super quickly, I, I, what's that? I said, you have to be feeling that energy. The vibe has to be like on the yeah. same page. Yeah. So like su super quick, um, a couple of years ago, 
there was no way on super rare to do an auction. It was basically someone would place a bid and at some point the artist would accept a bid. There was no like function. It was just like, Oh, that's enough money. Accept. Right. And to me, it just didn't make sense because it, it started proving like favoritism or you could kind of like, I don't know. It was just it wasn't like fully flushed out. So just to kind of make an experiment out of it, I, I made up rules. I said, Hey, once, once a reserve price, like a minimum price is made, we're going to, I'm going to start a 24 hour clock. And if nobody bids more in that 24 hours, that person wins. I made it up. Right. And, and, and this, that part wasn't like rocket science, but it was a way that I could put it out there in a transparent way that if you want this piece of art, it's on notice that this one's selling in a day. If you want it, place a bid and it resets the clock a full 24 hours. Okay. So I don't know, just, I had to make something up and it started working really well. And through that, I would have these conversations with a collector who would get angry at me because they had to wait too long to like find out if they got the piece of art. And I was very blunt with them. I said, Hey, if you're not able to wait 24 to 48 hours for my art, you probably aren't really in love with the art. That's true. And are you a collector or are you a speculator? And no shade on either, but this is a piece of art. So it doesn't matter to me if you can't wait 24 hours, you better go buy something else. Right. And believe me, a couple people said, yeah, you're right. I'll never buy your art again. I was like, whatever. I don't care. Weeding out the wheat kind of. I weeded them out. Right. So the people who are left, God, there's such a great group of people. Like, and they, they're, they're really they're, your tribe. Like they have your they back. They're my tribe. And they, and they opted in because I had certain standards and rules that we met in the middle. And I would explain to them why. I said, hey, we got jobs. We got families. Maybe you got kids. Maybe you're traveling. You know, if, if you don't have 24 hours to fit that into your day, then it's not fair. So he's like, you could say, oh my God, my life sucks. I'm busy until 10 p.m. Well, cool. At 10 p.m., you're going to have time to place that bid if you want. Right. So um, it ended up becoming a thing. It's called the Coldy Method. And it's just the same thing. You use your mind to get you places. Right. And that was one of those things where it's like I had to figure out how to fairly sell my art because there wasn't a method. But now it's it's an adopted thing. Like Super Rare uses the Coldy Method. You know, it's 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 just chance and preparation and taking calculated risks, really. I think uh, from my perspective, and, you know, I think I should edit this part out, but I think this is one of my favorite, if not my favorite interview I've done uh, since I've transitioned my show to the NFT crypto space, because I think you said, you said my favorite, well, you said how the quote where you said uh, how you use your mind uh, to get you places where people can invest in was big. And I think the, another quote you said is how can you, how can you use crypto time to hack into reality and there is just a lot of parts where i think that uh forward thinking is an understatement i think you're ahead of the game in a lot of ways with your art and with your mindset and i think it's a mindset that i quite frankly think a lot of you know 18 to 25 year olds to 30 year olds should really adopt instead of you know and i'm just going to say this as an example i no shade in whatever job i have respect for anything anybody does to earn a cent a dollar sure. but yeah. you know to me 
And I'm, I'm, it's just, I don't know if I'm being biased because I'm in this community, but whatever your passion may be, translating it into this crypto community, just working on the brink of innovation is much more fun. And I, I really, and more rewarding in life. Like you're an artist, certain people are in DeFi. I think that a lot of people my age should look to see what, what's, what's coming next and shouldn't settle for these you know, jobs that are in the world right now, traditional jobs, because I'm not saying they're bad, but I'm saying a lot of people settle for them. And to be honest with you, I am kind of saying they're bad, but that's just my own opinion. I I think everybody should really focus on, on not do what you want, but focus on what's next and really make the most out of your life. That's just my main thing. My main thing. Go ahead. 100%. And I, and I, and I, I'm going to say something to you and I want you to take a step back when I say this, because we're all in this situation, right? I think that the nine to five job is a form of uh, slavery. Okay. And that has nothing to do with race or anything at all. I'm talking about the use of our time being gobbled up for somebody else. Right. And if you love your job and that's what you want to do, great. You pick your team, but there's a lot of people who have a job that's a job and they give their waking energy to that job. And at the end of the day, you get a check that lets you pay the bill to go back to the job, right? And I think that, believe me, we all need to have a job. I think it's also up to us to find the job or the path that gets you there, right? And, and I've had jobs where I didn't want to do it. And I had to, you know, <laughs> had to pay the bills. But again, you use your mind to get to where you want to go so that when you get there, maybe you can work half as much and do your passion, right? And then you start balancing it differently where it's like, hey, it's halftime day job, halftime art, huge upgrade, right? And then if you, if you hold, maybe you're a writer, maybe you're a lawyer, maybe you're in anything, right? You start rebalancing your time. And at a certain point, yep. my passions have way accelerated past the day job, right? So the goal is to, at night or weekend, whenever you have that moment, you put in that sweat equity to improve, right? So then eventually it makes sense to be like, holy shit, I became a really good writer. Leverage. In a way you're saying, in a way you're saying uh, work, put in the sweat equity, which is, I'm going to make the point of saying this in my introduction segment. It's the most important word of this uh, episode is sweat equity. So put in the sweat equity to create leverage to where you can focus solely on your passion. Yep, 100%. Because what you said is true in the sense of it is slavery and it's it's kind of a, a, a more advanced version of slavery in the sense of you guys can enjoy your little lives in your little bubble uh, and you will continue to work and invest your time in our companies. But we're going to make it seem like everything's OK in your lives. Like a lot of people aren't suffering. It's not like but they're not uh, uh, they're oblivious to the fact of what you just said, that life could be there's much greener pastures uh, yeah. in, in this situation, in, in the path, in this path. And, and, and you're cr- exactly correct. And I think the other thing is that um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of strife that goes with honoring that. You know, it's not anything that is anything that is valuable is hard to get, right? What do you so mean strife? Your freedom. What do you mean strife? Freedom. Oh. Say again. Can you go in? What does strife mean? Sorry. So strife is like hard times. Oh, like okay. Okay. The doldrums where you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. You know, like not easy. So okay. anything that is valuable is not easy to get. 
Like you got to dig the gold out of yeah. the freaking ground. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing where I think a lot of people and I'll, and I'll put this on the education system, uh, not starting a drama, but I think there's been a lot of uh, value put on tests instead of experiences. Right. Ooh, so, yeah. Right. So you go through and now I was in the eighties. We didn't have standardized tests. Right. Now, if you want to graduate high school, you got to pass a test to get out. Right. It's just like, what was that even breed in you? You're not even trying to learn anything. You're trying to regurgitate something to somebody to say that you're like valuable enough to move on. Right. So I think that could be where the people who just want to make money, that's where it came from was from fricking high school where they had to pass the test. The test has nothing to do with this. I think everything is a pattern. Dude, we, we live in fractals. You know, it's, it's, if, if you, like I said, if you listen to your intuition, you can jump through the fractal a whole lot quicker, right? So what does that mean, listen to your intuition? Like the, just that gut feeling that like, uh, I probably shouldn't be doing this or I probably should be doing this, that feeling? Yep, yep. literally. You, think, you yep. think that feeling is right all the time? It's there. Okay. I think it's, um, I don't know if it's right, but it, it gives you an opportunity to look at things from a different perspective where... Um, I believe me, I've had plenty of gut instincts that were awful ideas you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't act on them. Or yeah. at least if I did, I learned a huge lesson. Um, but dude, um, I could tell you stories forever about my intuition and it's um, some of them literally saved my life. And it's those split second moments where you can listen and act that, you know, in those situations could save your life. Or it's a gut reaction that you're like, I need to change my job to a new career path. You know, maybe that's a 10 year gut reaction, right? So it plays out in different timelines, but 1000%. Um, I truly believe that it's everybody. It's not like you're more connected than somebody else. It comes up. We're like, maybe I shouldn't be dating this person, you know, or maybe but that's not a good one. That's that's now you have love conflicting with your intuition. That's a hard one to, you know, you have that feeling inside of you, but it's in that situation, uh, certain other emotions are uh, combat. That. Yeah. But it gets, it just gets complicated, right? Yeah. Some of these intuition thoughts, you're like, should I completely upend my whole life and do something else? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the answer is yes. You know, and, and, you know, that's, that's a, obviously a case by case basis, but, um, I actually, um, I feel so strongly about trusting your intuition that I did an art piece that um, I'm a scarcity type of uh, tokenizer. I don't tokenize a lot at all. So I think supply and demand is a big part of collecting. Do you focus on one of one editions or do you mint multiple editions? Mostly one of ones. Okay. Um, I've done a couple editions on uh, Nifty Gateway, but even those, my biggest edition... um, prior to what I'm going to talk about was like 21, 21 in the edition. And that for me was like, it's kind of a lot. Um, So what I did, I, um, I got approached by Pranksy, who's a big, um, he does a lot of projects. He's a big collector in the space. And he uh, was starting this thing called NFT boxes where basically you can, I think it was like half an ether, half an ether. You get like 15 pieces of art. And he came that's to me. Dope. What's that? That's so dope. So oh, yeah. it's no, like discounted it out, art. Yeah, that's so dope. Yeah, once a month. They're, they're happening all the time. 
So I was the first one that he came to with this. And, um, you know, he's, you know, the, the big hard thing was there's 500 in the edition, right? That blows my token count out of the water. Like up until that point, I had like a hundred or two, maybe 200 in three years. Right. So in one day I was like tripling my token count. You didn't like that? Well, um, I chose to do it because first of all, I want people to have access to art and there's different people with different budgets. Right. And I don't like it when somebody says to me, I would love to own your art, but I can't afford it. That's really shitty. That's not, a but, good but to push back, you are like a high established artist. So that has to come with the territory for you. No? It does. Sure. It, but, but the thing was, is I was only minting one of ones. So the price level was already okay. at a certain base that it cut out like 85% of people who would want to own my stuff. Right. And I just didn't like that. I'm, I'm in this for love. Like I want, if you want my art, I want you to have it. So I chose to do this piece um, and it's called trust your intuition. Um, if you want, I could yeah. give me a sec. I'll talk and pull it up. No, if you of course. Want. No, no, no. Uh, give me a sec to find it. So I, I chose to do the piece uh, 500 pieces and I chose to um, start in tuition. Um, boom. I didn't want to hit the easy button on this thing. I wanted to have it be the same quality as here, let me share my screen. Can you see that? Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. That's so I, you're catching the end of the loop here. So it's in a loop. And so, you know, the big billboard, because I think that's what it is in our life. That's dope. These billboards are shown to us and it's up to us to look at the billboard or not. Right. So this one is trust your intuition. Um, it's on a gift loop. Um, I have these old x-rays, these cityscapes that I've built and that's what it is. It's a loop, right? And you know, 500 of these are out there and I couldn't be happier because I, first of all, you know, I'm, I'm, I like the piece of art. I'm proud of it. And at the same time, I feel like it's planting a seed in people's minds that there's opportunity to listen to yourself. Yo, I love this piece. This is my favorite piece I've seen of yours. I, I crazy. Like, I just love, like, it just, it would look good. I just imagine myself walking down a, a, an actual art, like digital art gallery and just like, you know, those electronic uh, digital art holders, like seeing this on the wall, even in my house here would just be so sick. Um, no, yeah, this is honest. I'm not even lying. This is my favorite piece of yours. I think I've seen. How long did this take you to make? May I ask? Um, that's funny. That's like the the the, the total um, proverbial question. And and the actual answer sounds like a cliche. Um, it's my whole life, really, to like make this piece of art. Like all the, um, you know, like my mom is an X-ray. She actually just retired. She's an X-ray tech. She found those old X-rays from the '70s that you can't find. Right. So that's one of them. Yep. That's, that's one. So like that I, there's, there's homages that will go on top of homages. You know, one of those buildings, I lived outside that building when I was broke in downtown LA. Like What's these one? are all like pieces of me that I put into the art and you know, the technical, how much time I, I don't know, you know, 
50 hours. I, I don't know. Do you just I mean, lose yourself? Like, can I ask you an honest question? Because I feel like you keep referring to sweat equity. And I think that for some people, it comes easier than others because of many variables. And you just said it takes for my audience. It takes Mr. Coley 50 hours to make this piece. How, when you're in the midst of your art process, do you ever think, or even before you sit down, do you ever think to yourself, oh, here we go. This is going to be a long journey. Oh, this is going to be a long project. I got to strap in. Or do you kind of just lose yourself and you don't even recognize those 50 hours? Um, I, I would say there's different phases of it. There's like the honeymoon phase where you're like, what literally it's a blank canvas, blank screen. And you're like, what the hell am I going to do? You know, like that. And that's pretty refreshing, but also like kind of scary. Um, so there's, there's that part of it. And then there's, there's, there's like the, the ideation where you're like, Oh, walkway. Okay. City, you start blocking it out, but then you got to get into the technicals of like, what building am I going to use? Like, how am I going to technically make this thing work? And then the, so there's like honeymoon phase, the, the crux of technically making it correctly so that the resolution's good, the loop works correctly, the camera's going to move where you want it to move, you know, and then you get to hop back out into the fun, the fun zone of like putting some like sprinkles on top, you know, just some extra, extra pizzazz onto it. So there's like kind of a couple phases and it gets easier as you make a, you know, obviously once you make a couple, you're able to kind of shorten some of those, again, the time, you can shrink time down a little quicker. Can so I just that, say one thing I just noticed? Uh, your signature is also part of the, the 3D move. Yep. It's not just an in-place signature. It moves around too. That's actually so cool. Yeah. And I came up with that uh, probably, uh, it was an Edward Snowden piece probably like a year and a half ago where it was always stuck in the corner. I, I signed every piece of art because especially when you're in the metaverse, sometimes there's not a tag next to the art that says who oh, did yeah. it. So I always want people to know that that's my piece, right? So forever, it was just stuck in the corner, like normal art. But then I realized when I started moving the camera, I was like, holy shit, I could like obscure my, my signature and have it be part of the piece. That's the part that I think, I, I really think that you're going to do like your art, I think will... Uh, I really think we'll push boundaries. You don't even have yet in your brain when you take, like, I really think you and some, I'm just imagining what me putting on the Oculus headset or whatever VR headset and going into Somnium. And I'm just imagining like the possibilities, just the way this is moving. The camera's moving on this is ridiculous. There's so many things that this art is, it just, most people, when they create art, uh, you know, they create like still 2d images. It's crazy that you're willing to take, you're like really literally, no pun intended, pushing the depths of your art uh, on this, on a screen. I'm just imagining what you could, what, like when this 10, 20 years from now, when this tech is going to be completely different, we probably don't even know how it's going to look like. Yep. I'm just imagining what art like this will look like in that time frame. Yep. Me too. And that's the thing is like, we're living, we're living this in real time. So um, these, a lot of these things are, like, like if you want to talk about manifesting things, right? When I was in high school, all I wanted to do was make graphic design that was actually in 3D. Like, I didn't want it to be on a flat piece of paper. And that was like a 17-year-old brain being like, 
God, I wish. Right. And, and, and this is it. I'm preaching, right. I'm preaching yeah. to the choir, but it's like, you have to sometimes verbally say those things out loud. And I think that when you actually do that, you can affect, you can effectively make your reality happen. Was right? there, was there a moment in time where you like throughout your art journey, where you were like, Holy shit. Like my manifestations came true. Like, was there a moment when you realized that like a specific moment? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's, it's just, okay. So here's actually a really good one. So, um, before I got into NFTs, I was shooting. Um, so I love stereoscopics, which is 3d glasses with art and photography. And I, um, when I was in my early twenties, I was living in LA. I was working for LA weekly at a awesome dream job. I was doing the covers, um, right out of school. Like I had, damn, I got a fucking dream job, right? Didn't pay very well, but it was the job. I right? heard about this in an interview with you. You said, okay. this, yeah. Yeah. So I had, dude, I didn't even know what I, I knew what I had. Right. But I didn't know what I had. And that was the beauty of it. Right. So I was, I was immersed in art. I was doing design at a high, high fast paced rate. And at night I was in LA. So I found this 3d, 3d club, 3d photography club that met in the basement of a church once a month. And they would do slideshows of like old, um, landscapes or whatever and you everyone would put 3d glasses on the average age was like 60 years old right very very much of an older crowd and i walked in there as 22 years old and the first couple times they were like did you get lost like what like why do you have any interest in what we're doing here you know and i was like guys i am fascinated like please like i want to learn teach teach me right open arms and I got, I learned how to do 3D graphic design by the king of 3D comics. Um, he passed away. His name is Ray Zone. And uh, Ray made over 100 3D comics. Um, legend. Were you very legend. close with him? Was he another like mentor in your life? Would you say? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I literally took classes from him and he taught me his, some of, some of the things he would be like, hey, um, this is really close to the vest or close to my chest, but I want you to have this because, you know, he, he saw, he saw value. He, he, he saw the passion. He's like, here's some secrets, right? I don't tell anybody these things, but these are for you. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I get choked up. Like the guy passed away. Right. And unexpectedly, and, and I had driven out to Colorado from Northern California on a road trip to go to this 3d, a conference, the nerdiest thing you've ever been to. And, and I saw Ray there and it was the last time I ever saw him. And I was like, Hey dude, Ray, what's up? You know, like how you been? And it was the coolest thing ever. He's like, um, basically, uh, I, I was doing 3d concert photography and I'll talk about that in a sec, but he's like, Hey, just so you know, um, I'm really proud of you, but I'm actually like, I consider you a competitor in the highest respect where you, you have, you've done so well that I'm actually worried that you could take work from me. Right. So, so it's kind of like one of those uh, situations that your idols become your rivals, like that saying, right. Yeah, yeah. How cool is and, that? I, and I joked with him. I was like, Ray, like, first of all, I wouldn't have any business doing a 3d comic book. 
but but thank you like i it was when it was, was this mask when when this was uh 2011 i think okay, okay. um so it was awesome. Just it, it was a camaraderie, right? There, there was a passing of the torch because all these guys are in their twilight. You know, they learned these things for 40 years. They have nobody, no one in their family cares. It's just this niche, nerdy thing. And and I came in and was able to soak up like hundreds of years of knowledge, literally, from all these guys that were like, oh no, no, don't do it that way. Do it this way, right? That would have taken me five years, right? So um, I take a lot of respect for that. So I, 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 I got all this information about stereoscopics and I started my own uh, 3D magazine because I wanted to um, do 3D concert pictures of my favorite bands. And I, I've been to hundreds of concerts. I spent all my money on concerts and I would be in the front row. I'd wait 10 hours to be in the front row. And I'd get it, sweat equity, right? Paid off in the front row. But then I would see somebody walk out right when the show starts with a camera shooting pictures in front of me of the band. I was like, wait, hold on here. How do I get myself there at? How do I do that, right? There's no, no roadmap. So I made, a, I made up my own magazine. I started going to publishers and publicists saying, hey, I'm on assignment from Stereo Man Magazine. I can made the whole thing up, right? It was a real magazine, it was mine. I got photo passes for all my favorite bands. That's like I got, I got to shoot the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I got to shoot Incubus and all these bands that I just, it was a dream. The Flaming Lips, like I create- just, Oh, that's so cool. That is beyond like, cool. Like to, shoot, to shoot Red Hot Chili Peppers. Dude, like, and, and, I, and I literally have, um, a pretty cool collection of 3d concert pictures that no one in the world has. I know it, no one did it. So that's that, so dope. Isn't that crazy? Like I yes. just, and I haven't done anything with them for 10 years because it's all right place at the right time. And do you think you I'll will tell you this? Say again. Do you think you will like, yeah. So here, check this out. Okay. So when I started doing this, I was like, I was like, I someday, I know it'll happen. I can't wait to look at my stuff in full color 3D virtual reality. This was in 2011, right? Like maybe you saw it on some movie, some futuristic movie. You're like, yeah, someday, right? Someday, way along down the line. And uh, it was probably six months ago, I, uh, I got my 3D pictures and I, ha- I got an Oculus and I, I was able to load up my 3D concert pictures in VR. And I saw them in full color 3D, just like I dreamed about 10 years prior. And literally just started sobbing. Like, just like, God, it was just sweet validation and vindication of like a, a hypothesis that I was like, if I stay on this path, this thing will happen. <laughs> right? I don't know how to make VR. I don't know. I couldn't do it but i knew smart people would figure it out and i would be able to do it and when i saw that thing dude i was like holy shit just from an art perspective so just just, so you're it was kind of like surrounding you in a way the 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 art the photo 
when you explain to me your experience when you put on that Oculus headset and you looked at your band, it was like you were there. Um, so the way it works, there's a couple ways to do it. The way that um, is most true is that you would basically like they have these um, these VR applications where you, you're literally like sitting in a theater and there's a bunch of rows and it shows it up on a big screen. And like the lights go down like a movie and like the, the artwork, the, the photograph shows up and it's it's literally like oh. to it. I get it now. And um, God damn, like so and I, I, I will continually get choked up on that because that was the passion project that um, I, I hustled. I got to shoot uh, Coachella for two years straight. That's insane. Full oh, I love pass. Coachella, man. I keep telling people Co- Coachella is like probably with one of the greatest human experiences of all time. Yeah, I'm sorry. It might be. <laughs> I'm sorry to get like, that's how I feel about Coachella. Yep. Yep. And it's it, it is all about sweat equity because Ray Zone. OK, these stories all go together. It's just, it's, and this is no like ego or bragging, but when you, when you get on a, a your right uh, zone and path in life, the things line up in ways that you can't dream about. What do you mean? Just all these stories, they're all interconnected and they all help progress to the next stop, next place. How, how do I know? How do you know when, when you're like lined up? When, when the impossible becomes the obvious, you know, where it's like, um, it's just the, like, how the hell did this happen? Okay. And then you take a step back. You're like, I was nice to that professor. I worked hard. And then I met that guy who taught me that thing. And then they happened to like mention this thing and like, it couldn't, you couldn't plan it. Right. So, so my job at LA weekly. I, I got a budget to learn from Ray Zone, the comic guy, how to make a 3D poster for that's, the event. Yeah, okay? you had a, they gave you a budget? What's that? They gave you a budget to learn? Yeah, my, my, the LA Weekly, I said, I need, I, I need like an hour or two with this dude. And if I get that hour or two, the shit's going to kick ass, right? So they, they actually, we printed uh, an insert into the magazine with 3D glasses. That's so dope. It was like... Uh, you That's know, cool but, as but fuck. Happened, right? So the promoters for our little festival were the same promoters as Coachella. So they already saw me knock it out of the park with a 3D poster. So I just went to him and said, hey, I'd, <laughs> I'd never shot in a 3D concert picture before that. I didn't tell him that. I said, hey, can I get a 3D photo pass for Coachella? <laughs> it's like, and they're like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. That sounds pretty sick here. <laughs> That's hilarious. That was it. <laughs> it's like, but it, it took me, if you think about it, my whole life from watching Viewmaster cards all the way to get, you know, it's, it's, it's oh, like but, a, they're all connected is what you're saying. It's literally all connected. And it, it, and it, and, and I, not to get too like in the clouds, but life is malleable. What do you mean by that? You can control your destiny in life. And like, whether it's not like the secret, it's kind of like the secret. Have you heard of that? Where you like, you like make a dream board and then you like focus and you can get those things. It's kind of like that. You, for better or worse, you can manifest yourself a sick ass life or an awful life. 
and we have that control and a lot of people don't um, allow themselves that power. They'd rather very let interesting. someone else, they'd rather let someone else make that decision for them. But that's very interesting that you said that because um, so I would even go ahead and say that it's not, maybe they don't even know that they can do this. hundred percent. We're not trained. We are not trained to have any type of like um, self-sovereign power. Yes. Well, can you go? That is so key. Can you please touch on that self-sovereign power for my audience? I think I have a gist. I think I have a gist of what you're saying. Can you please delve into that? Because I think that's a very key concept to confidence building at a growing stage. Yeah. And, and all this being said, um, I've struggled with confidence my whole life. Really? Like, truly. It's you're just, a very outspoken, like uh, charismatic person. Really? I've worked so oh. hard to be able to even talk in public, like literally, oh, it took you a while to get to this level. Oh God! Okay. Oh man, I was I was always the kid in school that would go first um, for their like oral book reports because I had so much anxiety that if I if I sat around even for like one or two people, I'd have a panic attack while I was up there in front of the class, like real bad, right? Okay. And wow. still to this day, I struggle a lot with that. Really. But, um, Oh yeah. Oh dude. Oh no, no, no. Okay. You do not, you know, in a public crowd. No, thanks. Not, oh, in a public, so when there's like a lot, I kind of agree with you when there's a lot of people, you get anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yep. And uh, I mean, we literally, we could, <laughs> we can keep talking. I'm having a great time. No, I'm so sorry. I've, I'm stressing no, myself out about annoying you. No, I'm, I'm totally good. Okay. okay. Saying, I can probably talk for like eight hours. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, about self-confidence and all this stuff, so with that background knowledge of me not wanting to talk and being very introverted and wanting to be alone and make art, it's good and bad, right? I need a balance in my life. So you know what I did to solve my public speaking fears is I forced myself to go sing karaoke. That's crazy, man. That's uh, and I, my podcast is called the talk too much podcast, but that takes some goddamn balls, man. There's no way I could do that. That's yeah. insane. What so, were you thinking? <laughs> no, that's that that worked though. It it fucking really worked. You know why? Because trembling hands. The first time I got that microphone, dude. That's like the most insane thing. Besides, like stand-up comedy karaoke is like the second scariest thing in my opinion. Yep. Yep. And I went. I. And I don't know why, but I knew I had to like conquer a fear, right? And I started doing that five, six years ago. I don't know. And, oh, and the first time, scared shitless. But you know what I actually realized? I'm actually a pretty good singer. Like I can belt it. Like I have a, like a pretty good vocal range. And it was weird because I went <laughs> into that being so scared. But then I was like, huh. You came out and, an artist. <laughs> yeah, they're like, dude like, isn't that weird? you're like what the fuck i was like oh like i would zone out and the creativity would take over and uh my comfort zone would be like i'm gonna pretend i'm freaking tom petty right now and 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 you hear it on the radio i've heard it ten thousand times i just need to replicate that voice right so not to get into singing but i i ended up finding uh, strength in voice, right? The last thing I was expecting was that I would come out from it saying, Hey, I can use my voice, whether it's singing or talking 
in, in, a, in a good way. It wasn't a scary tool. It was just something I had to get in my own skin with. Right? I feel, so, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say like, and, and what you're saying, I think is hard for, uh, I'm, what I want to say is I feel like a lot of people walk through life with an, uh, I guess we can label it as an inferiority complex. They don't realize, hey, I can be one of the best artists in the world or, or this, that, and the third. Um, so I, do, are you kind of, when you're saying like, when you're giving these stories and you're talking about your mindset, do you walk around, and I'm not saying ref, uh, referring to you as cocky or egotistical, but do you walk around with a superiority complex in the sense of, hey, I can achieve anything I put my mind to? Um, I think that there is... Um... That's the hard part of um, anything like this. When you like, when you do realize that you have a power that we all do. Yeah, right? we all it's do. Not, you know, and I think that's the thing. It's like um, you can you can become an egomaniac. You're like, I can do anything I want, and blah. blah, blah. You know, like that's not good, right? But I think that when you know that your your thoughts affect your reality, then um, it is, it is quite powerful and it's, it's a harder life because you actually have to be accountable for what you do. You know, it's not just like, uh, I got the horseshoe up my ass and things all go great for me. Right. Well, that's when the things go bad for you. <laughs> as soon as you like flip it over and you're like, dude, I'm so set, you know, no, 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 no. It's like the turtle and the hare. I am the turtle and I will keep walking slowly and that hair is going to get bored, take a little nap. I'm going to walk right by that guy, right? To me, that's what this is all about. You just, you own it, you learn how to hack it, and then you just keep going quietly. You know, it's like basketball practice. First into the gym and last one out. Put in your time. And every shot you put up that the homie is not, you will dominate them when it matters. And it works. So I, I really, I really love uh, that analogy. Do you, do you still think that, do you advise young artists coming in the game? Do you still think there's a lot of time, uh, like in the sense of this community building, do they have time to be the turtle? To be what? The turtle, in a, in a sense. Oh yeah. I mean, the turtle is, it's a, it, it's, it's a forever thing. I mean, you know, who, who's this woman singer, Susan Boyle was 80 years old. Oh, yeah. before she, you know, before she became her best self. She's you know? insane, man. She was good though. She did. She yeah. was underexposed, man. She was no joke. Right. And, and, uh, little Susan, you know, took 80 years to like pull up her pants and start singing to a crowd. Boom. There you go. You, do you think that self-sovereign power, <clears throat> this term you labeled, do you think this comes with time as you grow older? Um, or is there any uh, actions you can take uh, to further get more insight into the self-sovereign power? Uh, sorry, say that one more time. Do you think that this self-sovereign power comes with time, like as you grow older? Or do you think there's, uh, how does this come to you? How do you achieve this self-sovereign power, this like intuition, this enlightenment? Um, I think it's um, par partially just being exposed to it. Um, part of it's through probably like your own experiences, but also it's just Sometimes it's just somebody like talking about it. It'd be like, this is a possibility, you know, because if, if you've never heard it, then it might not ever get into your brain. But if you realize that it works and that it's probably around you more than you know, it becomes a game, right? I'll be driving down the street and I'll see something that is a message 
and this is getting kind of woo woo, but it's like, holy shit, that should not have happened. And it did. And it was on the way to an important meeting. And, and it's just like these little things. Like, it's like a little Easter egg in life where it's like, okay, message received. Right. And, and, and dude, it, God, it happens. And, it, and, it, and once you get into that flow, it can save you, you know, it, it, it could save your life. It could, it could, they're just little like little messages that um, they pop up. They do. You can ignore them. I think I'm at the point in my life where, where um, I'm kind of transitioning. Uh, I'm kind of fully immersing myself into the crypto world, my, my, my passion, my career from my old social, that was my old life that was predicated on social relationships. I'm kind of like zoning in and I don't know if it's good or bad. Um, I'm a lot more alone. That's one thing I noticed you said uh, earlier that you were like um, when you kind of achieve, like when you start to think about these things, it can get hard because now you hold yourself accountable. And I think that was so big because it's like, I now like see when I do something, Oh, those are the repercussions for that. I got to deal yep. with that now. Yeah. You know? And I think that does come with being alone too. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Being alone. There's, there's plenty of ways to distract yourself when you're alone. Um, and I'm quite good at a lot of those things, but um, at the same time, I think that, when you can be alone and not distract yourself, things get really real, real fast. Yes. And I think um, that's probably the most valuable thing too. Like I just, I just got a, a studio, a small place and I kind of did it on purpose because I didn't want to have my huge computer set up there. I didn't want to have a TV. I didn't want to have a whole bunch of oh, stuff. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have an iPad. I can get my, I can watch a show, but um you know, I got, I, so I invested, so I have an, an art studio. So when I need to work, I leave my house and I work and then I come back to a place that is um, more, hopefully more balanced, you know, just trying to um, less tech. So less, less inputs and trying to use that to just better myself, you know, like an so, actual art environment for your yeah. art. Yeah. Yeah. So like this, like, not it's not set up, but I have like you know all my shit on my. Is that your studio? Studio, yeah. I just moved in, so it's kind of messy, but. Um, That's so got dope. My buddy uh, Fuocious, uh, one of one of his yeah. posters back there. Um, so I'm just trying oh. to carve out ways that I can thrive, um, and not get overtaken because technology wants to eat us up, and uh, you know, doing a pretty good job. I'm trying to fight back a little bit. Um, honestly, Mr. Coley, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to end this right now, but I will say one thing. Um, I, there was beyond value for me, uh, in this episode interviewing you. I think you really gave one of the realest interviews I've had on my show for sure. And I will say from the bottom of my heart, I know I'm annoying. I hope your son is okay, yeah. by the way. I hope your son is okay. Um, okay. I, I just genuinely, when I reach out to people, like, I feel like sometimes I'm annoying, but I just, I, I just like you said, I reach out to like hundreds of people like that I find valuable. And, you know, I'm very, very grateful when, when uh, people like yourself uh, agree to an interview. So thank you for taking, you said time is the most valuable investment. Thank you for taking your time and investing into the show. So I really appreciate that. No, thank you. Honestly, like this, um, this was an awesome talk, you know, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you talk to somebody for a half hour and it's a struggle. And I think that we're actually just getting going. So um, I'd what be happy to do this. Oh, wow. 
You put in a solid two hours there. Yeah, that was, I did. You, you were like when we when we were talking on DMs, you asked me like thirty or sixty minutes in my head. I was like, I gotta say thirty to make sure he's good on time. And yeah, you're yeah. like, sixty is probably better for an interview. I was yeah. like, okay, yeah. <laughs> but Leave the door so open, and, and and that that's just back to you. You were, I mean, you were definitely not annoying. So you know, thank you, let, and let also that be known. also you're, you're if, an awesome interviewer. I had a really awesome time. Thank you. And I also was going to mention it. Like I, I do want to, I'm obviously a small fish, but if there's any value I can provide you, like in the sense of with Somnium space, if you want me to connect you with Arthur, sure. yeah. uh, just because I really think you said something that caught my eye. And I was thinking while I was listening to you talk about this interview, I was thinking, what does Mr. Coldy find valuable? And what I really came to fruition was you really value that itch feeling about your art when you feel that, that feeling I genuinely, just because I'm going to cut up a clip and send it to you on Twitter from my show. So you literally see what I meant by that immersive art insomnium. Sure. Yeah. But I just genuinely think like you, that the capabilities of that technology are more suited for your art than, than others. And I think you'd really I, fall in love I, with no, it. No, I, I definitely need to check that out. Cause I'm now, now I'm ready for that. You know, it took me um, technically a while to figure out how to do what I want to do. Now that I'm there, dude, it's like, it's game on. I'm it's the next 10 years of my life are going to be um, fully, um, fully in art as, it, as it's always been, but it's a very important um, time for me developmentally. And I, and I want to take um, ultimate advantage of, of all these opportunities. I could not agree 100% more. So thank you so much. Um, I'm going to, this interview will be out tomorrow. Um, cool. So I'll, I'm going to, there's three days of marketing. I do an IGTV and two or three reels. So I apologize if you see too many notifications. I no, just bring it on. It's all good. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate you uh, for giving me your time, Mr. Coley. Of course. Well, let's do it again. I, I had a great time. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I, I'm, I was going to DM you in a couple of weeks, a couple of week or two, but for sure. Thank you so much. Cool. Yeah, we'll do it again. And uh, thanks everybody. And uh, I'll include all your links, by the way, in the yeah. description. Yeah. Follow me on Twitter and all that, all that cool jazz I'm around. Everything will be on there. Thank you so much and be safe. Yep, you too.